Hello and welcome to the Currency Exchange, where myself, Emory Daly, and Network's Markets team of FX Strategists help to break down the major themes and events driving currency markets this week and in the weeks ahead. Today, I'm joined by none other than Paul Robson, who was our European G10 head of FX. Um, and I guess at the moment, you know, we are still talking about, you know, relative central bank policy. We're definitely pivoting towards that easing narrative. However, some central banks, they're not yet done with the tightening cycle. You know, we have just had the ECB policy decision, but next week we have another raft of developed market central banks with the Fed, the RICS Bank, the Norges Bank, and the BOE set to deliver their hiking cycle. It was uh, quite a response, almost counterintuitive, that we got from the ECB today. They did hike by 25 basis points against market expectations, but perhaps the Euro's reaction wasn't what we were expecting. Well, what did you take away from the ECB's decision and the Euro's response to it? Well, I think if you look at the Euro's response, the overall decision was uh, dovish, and I, I think that's the right interpretation. So, uh, a dovish um, hike from the DCB. It was always going to be finely balanced whether they were going to do a hawkish hold, so hold rates, but sort of talk about that there might be a need under certain conditions to continue to uh, tighten or also hike and, and sound a little bit uh, more dovish um, about the outlook. And uh, in the event, they, they hiked rates, but they were actually really quite dovish. Uh, really, I think just by signaling that at the policy rate at current levels, after they raise it by uh, 25 basis points, would be sufficient to get inflation uh, back down to target if it was held at that level for a sufficiently uh, long time. Now, we can talk about how long sufficient uh, is, and um, only time will tell, and the data will uh, inform on that. But the idea that the ECB is, uh, is now finished, it just means that markets then can stop thinking about what the next sort of easing cycle uh, is for, from the uh, the ECB. Uh, and I think that was the sort of main uh, takeaway. Um, I think it was actually very similar to what we've been hearing from the, the Bank of England over the last couple of weeks. They've obviously got their own um, meeting next week. We think they go 25 basis points. But what the governor of the Bank of England has been saying and sort of backed up by the chief economist, Hugh uh, Peel, is this idea that you know may get one last rate hike, but rates are going to be plateauing for some considerable time. And he talked about um, Table Mountain uh, in terms of policy, and that's exactly what the sort of ECB was talking today. How do you get from that tightening cycle to the easing cycle with making sure that the monetary policy tightening that you've already um, achieved continues to work on the economy? And this is what uh, today's... Um, meeting was about. Uh, in terms of the euro's reaction, as I said, I think it was right. If you think about the drivers of euro dollar, you've got two extremes, sort of big picture. You've got relative growth between the rest of the world and the, the, the US. And as that shifts to the rest of the world, the dollar tends to go down, euro dollar goes up. Maybe it helps the euro area economy in terms of overall uh, demand. But sort of month to month, week to week, euro dollar is essentially a monetary policy currency. It, it tracks very tightly short-end rates, the sort of slope of the curve, um, European government bond spreads are all uh, important. If you look at today's um, policy decision, markets trying to firm up what that easing cycle uh, looks like, 
they can take out some of the premium out of uh, some of the curves. It, it suggests that um, the euro uh, dollar should be weaker. Um, but I think now the focus will turn to other central banks uh, and whether they're close to tightening. I mentioned the Bank of England Fed next week. It's a similar kind of story. And from here, I think euro dollar is all going to be about, you know, that timing of that first uh, rate cuts, the speed of rate cuts, and ultimately debt. Uh, and that's where we are uh, today, I think. And I mean, pivoting from that point, you know, we've got the Norges Bank and the Riggs Bank next week. You know, what are the growth inflation dynamics that they're facing and how far away are they from the end of their tightening cycle and the start of policy easing? Yeah, I think they were just a little bit further away than the uh, ECB uh, and, in fact, the, the the Bank of England. So I think next week's rate decisions from the Ritz Bank and Norges Bank are going to be um, very similar to the ECB, but different. Um, and the difference is going to be about the guidance. So we expect a quarter point uh, rate hike from both of those uh, central banks. Uh, inflation is sort of easing uh, somewhat, but it, it still remains uncomfortably high and their previous guidance was that if economic developments essentially continuing in line with their forecast uh, a rate hike would be needed so both in the last set of monetary policy uh, reports they they sort of pre-committed uh, to raising rates one more time and if you look to the expected rate path both those central banks that they produced themselves it was consistent with 25 basis points so i don't think that's going to be uh, the major surprise to, to markets for, for the next week. Uh, where markets will be focusing on is guidance for the next meetings at the back end of the year, so November uh, and December. And here, the crucial focus will be not on headline inflation, which is coming down and a weakening uh, economy is a sort of tightening cycle exists, but the idea that poor inflation is still very uncomfortably high at sort of running around 6%. So the fall in inflation is really just the base effects on energy and not underlying uh, price pressures. And that suggests the central bank has a little bit more. Uh, where there's also a difference between the ECB and the Nordic central banks is on the currency because they've been very sensitive to weakness of the currency, the time when inflation is high and the pass through importing uh, inflation and both currencies have been uh, very weak and has attracted the attention of the, the central bank. And as we know, uh, the main policy support for a currency uh, is probably uh, higher rates. Now, both currencies have been, I think, hurt by the interest rate differential between Sweden and Norway versus the euro area. And it feels like both those currencies need a, quite a, a decent um, interest rate premium to, to gain against the euro, and that's been eroded. Uh, there's some other um, issues around um, commercial real estate, uh, just um, house, uh, you know, residential real estate uh, as well, and the, the ability of um, local banks to, to lend. Uh, and that's seen people speculate that the currencies uh, continue to weaken. So if you put all that together, it feels like the uh, central banks will want to take out a little bit of insurance. Now, uh, next week, both Norway and Sweden publish monetary policy reports, uh, and they have that expected right rate path projections. And they could use that as a signal for saying that unlike uh, the ECB, they've still got a little bit further to go because they want that premium 
to get a little bit larger before they say that they're they're done tightening. It's interesting, you know, there's such a contrast between what's happening, you know, in developed markets, Europe and in emerging markets. So in my kind of region of coverage in Eastern Europe, almost central banks have been vindicated by their past policy actions. You know, they were out on the front side. They started hiking, you know, as early as the first half of 2021. Uh, and that it's because, you know, as an emerging economy, they are more susceptible to global inflation factors we saw. So obviously, as a poor nature, food prices and energy prices matter more and they push inflation higher. But they're also very susceptible to currency weakness, really, you know, importing inflation into their economies. They hiked aggressively, but that meant that inflation consistently created lower since February of this year. And that means that, you know, as the global, you know, economic environment faces these headwinds of a global manufacturing slowdown, of anemic growth coming out from the Eurozone, that actually they're able to provide counter-cyclical policy. They can start cutting while their recession, while their economies um, are flatlining. Um, so we have, you know, already had two out of three of the C three central banks kind of initiate um, their policy easing. And we're forecasting that the third, the Czech Republic, will start and um, will start policy easing from November. And I get, you know, that very clear divergence of, you know, still sticky inflation in a number of developed markets, um, and thus, you know, central banks having to maintain higher interest rates for longer, versus in a number of EMs, they're able to start cutting. The result is they're undermining that really lucrative carry that they're offering investors. It's just very clear for us that, you know, high carry EM currencies will trade lower against, you know, such currencies like the euro and the dollar. And um, so we do, um, we are looking, you know, for the Brazilian real, the Chilean peso, but also Kostani, Hungarian foreign to trade lower. Um, but, you know, on this kind of theme of when exactly will developed markets, you'll be able to begin easing. We had you know, quite an interesting print um, this week, which was U.S. August CPI, and a print higher than expected, just marginally, and it looked like the market was willing to overlook it. I guess, Paul, what is your take on this? You know, does it push that point away even further for the U.S. Fed to start the easy cycle? Yeah, I, I think it does for me. I think just um, overall data resilience in the, the U.S. and this idea that inflation's not quite coming down as quickly as I think you use the word market sort of hope, um, because, you know, that is important for a whole range of assets, isn't it? That does inflation come down quickly enough for central banks, including the Fed, to cut interest rates against the backdrop of weakening um, economic growth? And if inflation stays higher for longer, central banks are going to be uh, more reluctant to um, cut interest rates um, and then it's just got a, a much more sort of adverse um, environment for a whole range of risk assets. And the, the dollar just stays a little bit stronger for longer. And I think the euro dollar move that you've seen today sort of reflects that sort of uh, stronger data again, activity data in the US on a day when the ECB looked to signal that they're not tightening uh, anymore has pressured uh, euro dollar lower. So when we think about euro dollar, I, I think we do trough around 105. I think the market will increasingly shift on. Okay, we now know what the ECB has done. Let's see what uh, everyone else is doing. But that that timing of that first Fed rate cut, and as I say, the the speed, uh, the depth um, is going to be it's going to be the number one thing for FX markets next year. And I think you know positioning for 
uh, the you know, the global easing uh, cycle is going to uh, dominate all our attention uh, next next year. Uh, ultimately, I think it's you know currencies that have done worse in the tightening cycle uh, are the ones that probably do um, the best as everyone else eats. It's, uh, and so the yen uh, looks uh, front and center there. Uh, the other one is um, I-, I talked about Norway and Sweden about how they've been sensitive to. Uh, currency weakness because of the impact of importing inflation. Uh, one other area that's sort of been a similar kind of uh, situation is uh, Switzerland uh, and the S&B acting to keep the currency uh, strong. It'll be very interesting to see when inflation pressures start to ease uh, to, and they stop that, um, is Swiss franc weakness um, one of the big things for next year? And on that will be updating our thoughts later in the year with our uh, year ahead for 2024. Time seems to be going very, very quickly at the moment. Which will be all about relative central bank policy and inflation dynamics. Paul, thank you so much for joining me again. And that's about all we have time for. So do make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you liked it. And remember to click like so you can find the next podcast first. Thanks again. Goodbye.